Content warning for today's episode for the topics of rape and suicide. Hey listeners, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble, that podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today I'm tolerating someone I haven't tolerated in almost a year. My fancy friend, Meg, is here to help me understand my recent obsession with Bridgerton. Hi, Meg. Bridgerton. Bridgerton. It works that Fancy and Schmancy are together for this episode. Absolutely. (laughs) Fancy and Schmancy reunited and it feels so good. I'm sorry. What my favorite part about this is that you and I have been doing Gilmore Girls and we've been putting (laughs) off doing Gilmore Girls for so long. And then last week, almost a year, last week, you're like, hey, um, I don't know. I understand why I can't stop watching Bridgerton. And I just need to talk to someone about it. And I was like, well, let's record it. That's exactly (laughs) how it happened. And within a week. (laughs) We got our shit together. We're here (laughs) to record talking about Bridgerton when it's been a year since we started talking about recording Gilmore Girls season three. So I'm proud of us. I'm so proud. We are so on top of our shit. I'm proud of our priorities, to be honest. (laughs) Absolutely. So obviously spoilers for Bridgerton season one. Yeah. And as Meg said, this was not a planned recording, but I had kind of recently binged it after avoiding it for a very short amount of time. I was going to say it's only been out since Christmas. How long (laughs) did you? Just like the other day, whenever I messaged you, it had been a couple of days after I binged it because I couldn't stop thinking about it. Not just the show, but like why I watched it, why I couldn't stop watching it. And now why I can't stop thinking about those things. And Netflix, it tried to autoplay it a couple of times when I'd pull it up. I watched the trailer and I'm like, "Eh, it seems all right. Like I'm not super into it, but like I even did like the new play something, the little shuffle play. Mm-hmm. And it pulled it up like twice. And I was it like, was calling to you. I was like, fuck you, Netflix. I'll watch what I want. So then I got <laughs> mad and I went over to Hulu. <laughs> so you picked you picked it, suggest something for me, specifically because you couldn't think of something to watch. And twice Netflix was like, hey, Regency Boning. And you're like, mm. I was like, no. You don't know me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where in my watch history in the last billion years? But And now that's all you're going to get is... Like, Pretty much. Pretty much. It already is popping up suggestions for you recommended. And uh, I'm sorry to to have to come clean. I actually hacked your Netflix and just watched nothing but Bridgerton. So uh, I kept suggesting it for you. I knew it. I thought that was like, I know I fall asleep watching TV a lot and roll over onto the remote, but I'm pretty sure I didn't start it. Meanwhile, my new uh, Netflix account is Viscountess Bridgerton for my name. Nice. And Anthony. (laughs) Because I am, I'm normal. You are, you are tits deep in Bridgerton. So, so yeah, this is, so I have no notes for this conversation, but I just, I didn't, I couldn't think of anyone better to have this conversation with than my fancy friend, Meg, because I knew you'd be obsessing over it. And what do you mean? (laughs) I I didn't see any of the tweets. Well, in my pod, we actually just recorded um, two episodes of my podcast, Bedwetter Behead, about characters from Bridgerton. Um, and we only did it twice because one of the recordings got lost in the ether and it was the most heartbreaking thing. Uh, and I feel like 
I know this is your podcast, but I know what I'm going to end up talking about. So I'm just going to throw out a content and a trigger warning because there's some non-consensual shit that happens. And so just going to throw a blanket that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So I had started listening to that episode today and because I was like, oh, let's see, you know, maybe kind of work a little bit of that in today as well. But then I stopped because I was like, I don't want your guys's discussion to influence me in any way, at least not mm-hmm. until you and I have had a chance to dissect my feelings. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so as much as I was, as much as I wanted it, wanted to listen to it as part of like the homework and getting prepared for today, I was like, mm-hmm. eh, I am very influential, like easily influenced. So <laughs> right. Well, and and the same kind of thing happened. So um we have a guest on that episode. Her name is Amy and she has a podcast, um, which is right up your alley. It's called Obstinate Headstrong Girls. And it's a podcast where they talk about romance novels. So, you know, reading and romance, uh, the Jen right there. <laughs> right there, all over, just screams Jen. You're such oh. a Harlequin bookworm. I was like, of course. Um, but anyway, so she has read all of the Bridgerton books um, several times. I have read the first four. I haven't gotten to book five yet. But so for her podcast, they kind of took a break from what their usual format was. And they spent a few episodes talking about Bridgerton. And I really wanted to listen to it uh, because I thought it was really interesting. And I like her podcast just in general. But then I was like, wait a minute. A whole big part of our show and our game is to try and guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) what other people were going to do. And I was like, I don't want to cheat. And I told her then she goes, I would have cheated. She's like, I would (laughs) have listened to everything you had to say. It's been, it's been kind of a struggle because usually I like to go in after watching something and like read all the things mm-hmm. and I've done a little bit of that, but again, I want it once it was decided that you and I were going to, going to record, I was like, I just want to stay untainted <laughs> as long as I can. <laughs> Let me influence all your opinions about yes, this show. Please. <laughs> so, you read, how many books are there? There are eight main books, and then I think there's a few, like, offshoot kind of in the realm, in the same universe. Um, But there's eight main ones, one for each of the Bridgerton siblings. Okay. Basically, maybe nine. I think there's just eight. Um, But they're, I mean, they're fun if you like, if you like Regency-era romance, um, reading it with the kind of the remembering that they're 20 plus the books are 20 plus years old so it doesn't seem like 20 years ago is that long ago but when you think about what was acceptable or accepted not necessarily acceptable Mm -hmm. in writing and romance and stuff like that 20 plus years ago you have to kind of go in there with that mindset um it's like I remember I used to read romance novels a lot and one of them was like he kidnaps a girl and he's a pirate he kidnaps her and keeps her on the ship and basically quote-unquote seduces her mm-hmm. over oh, and over my- again until she falls in love with him oh. and and so and I recently because I when I first read it I really I liked it in some ways because I think you can give yourself permission to like problematic stuff sure. um in fiction mm-hmm. I reread it though and I'm like this is oh my god <laughs> not good what was I thinking what publisher was like yeah this is great yes this is definitely suggest seduction and not Mm -hmm. kidnapping and rape definitely (laughs) of course 
this. It's that's that's all that that's su- seduction was. All of those things. Yeah. Well, and it's like, and and part of part of my little trashy heart loves the whole like, especially in Regency era things were like, oh, we got trapped in a storm in a cabin, and we spent the night in the cabin together. Nothing happened, but we were unchaperoned, so I'll be ruined if we don't get married. And like that whole storyline, I love it. I'm trash for it. I absolutely <laughs> love Regency era. Um, anything so I was super excited to see Bridgerton I hadn't read any of the books before the show came out Um, then I started watch I watched the show fell immediately in love with Anthony (laughs) and then realized I had to read at least two books before I could get to his (laughs) to get to his story (laughs) but I'm like I'm I feel like I'm in the minority everyone is like splooshing over Simon and I'm like he's very hot Yes, but I don't have time to do all of that work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I went back and forth with Anthony a lot throughout. I did not my watch. <laughs> so I was like, okay, you're just protective, and it's like as much as I like Regency era, Victorian era, and the social obligations of mm-hmm. highfalutin folks. <laughs> um. Like, I love it, but I hate it at the same time. Cause I'm just like, there, there is that bit of like romance to it. Like there can be, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's just, ill. like you're so bound and like wound up so tight about the rules and what's proper and what you have to do and promenading, promenading and like just, just all these think, things. Ugh. Just remember how easy it was for Daphne to orgasm though, because no one had ever touched anything but her hand. That's true. <laughs> that must be nice. So, so sensitive. <laughs> side note, total side rant, because this just happened today. So I am, I, today I learned that fishing in the dark is redneck for mutual masturbation which gives the song a whole different take and i haven't stopped giggling all fucking day and timmy's like you are a nerd i've listened to the song like three times laughed all the way through it can't even hum it i've snorted countless times i has no idea that i'm So Timmy's co-workers are a bunch of like farm kids and i stress kids like they're 20 something they're in their 20s so about half our age and <laughs> hey hey I'm not 40 <laughs> I and then this morning Timmy like as I'm having my immature giggle breakdown Timmy's just like my god you're 40 almost 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 like immediately caught himself but I was like I really should have been a teenager when I learned this so I could have wouldn't be going through this giggle fit now at almost I- 40 I'm having a little bit of a time, a little bit of a time about that's hilarious. Then like listening to the song is just, I'm like, this song is so dirty. It's like fishing in the dark. And like, if you think about it, like under the covers and you're reaching, it's, it is kind of fishing in the dark. And then you're, you're pulling back to, you know, like hook it. Is when you're hooking it, is that butt stuff? Sure. I don't know. At this just, point, just it's... fish hook right up, right up in there. So that's my, that's my, my, I'm sorry. I forgot how I got tangent, but that's been on my mind literally all fucking morning. And it's like two 35 in the afternoon right now. That's amazing. <sighs> anyway, 
how did I get? Oh, <laughs> masturbation. Yeah. Masturbation. So it was so easy for Daphne to get off because no one had gone fishing in the dark. Not even master, not even just like masturbating and getting yourself off. That's kind of the point, but like, and I do feel a little bad. I feel for Simon because his completion is a plot point mm -hmm. and they can't be like, well, you know, they're going to be going on and fucking for 20, 30 minutes. So he looks like a two pump chump. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a little bit. And I got to admit, like he's, he was very quick to like up and off. You know, yeah. <laughs> the first time that happened, I was like, oh, really? I was like, I think this is the first time I've seen that in a show or movie portrayed where the guy didn't ejaculate into the woman and mm -hmm. just was like, he was really depending on her <laughs> ignorance to kind of pull this whole thing off, mm -hmm. um, which made me really, really. Like, like I said, everyone is like swooning over him. And I'm like, yeah, he's really attractive. Um, that shit would piss me off. Like he, he lied to her. He was willing to let not just her be hurt, not just her be ruined, but her entire family be ruined because he couldn't quit from feeling her up in a garden. <laughs> and I understand your quote unquote vow to your dad. Um, Ugh, but yeah but no, like, I don't, I, it kills me. I love it. I, 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 like you said, I understand his vow, the vow he made to his dad about never siring children, but it's seriously at that point, clearly he was in love with Daphne and mm -hmm. did want to be with her. Like, I thought like, fuck it. He's dead. Who gives a fuck? I don't know. Yeah. I was just like, that was so dumb. I don't have the daddy <laughs> issues that he has. So yeah. And don't get me wrong. Those are some big time daddy. His dad was a piece of shit, but yeah, he was a monster. Um, yes. However, of the two people in that marriage, I like Simon much, much more. Yes. Like, I do like Simon. I think, I think the show kind of did. So in the book, Simon's stutter is like a big thing. And it's something that is still occurring anytime he gets really emotional, either sure. angry or anything like that. Um, so being in control and, and he comes off as really cold and aloof to a lot of people because he always keeps his emotions in check. Um, the show didn't really do as good of a job of kind of getting into his mental space mm -hmm. and getting into that stutter and things like that. I agree. So it, he was, he's much more likable to me in the books than he is in the show. And that's not to say I don't like him mm -hmm. in the show. I do like him. And, uh, reggae Jean page is... <laughs> hot like yowza yum yes mm -hmm. please oh, yes. <laughs> there's talk of him being the next bond and i'm like okay oh i'll buy it i i'd like i'm not even a big bond fan I'll, I'll do it yeah. i'll watch, I'll watch <laughs> you got one. me <laughs> and sold <laughs> sold i like bond movies um but i really don't like daphne i didn't like like no. And it wasn't like all throughout the season, I was kind of wavering a little bit back and forth. Ah, no, it's not all her fault. Oh, she sucks. She's a bitch. Ah, it's not all her fault. Mm -hmm. But then yes, after the, after they got married and once she finds out how babies are made and she takes control, Which, I mean, her scene, mom really should have told her no shit. And that's like the other, but that's again, one of the things putting on your maid to tell period. you about how to have babies. I know. And, and that's one of my favorite scenes is Eloise rushing in and being like, do you even have to be married to have babies? Yeah. 
and going to her brother's I bet you guys know how babies are made yeah <laughs> and I loved Eloise too I think she was definitely one of my favorites if not like the favorite but yeah so Daphne but it wasn't until where she rolls over and she's on top of Simon and he can't get her off like push her off and mm -hmm. he ejaculates in her and then they get into like that big fight and everything and she I was straight like, up rapes it. him I was like that she it. rapes him I don't fucking like you she rapes him yes. like he withdrew consent and she yes. continued to go on and this is like and believe it or not in the book it's actually worse figure it's always worse in the book right? because in the book he is like fall down drunk and he physically tries to push her off of him. And you're in her mind when this is going on. And she's talking about how she loves the feeling of power and she bears down when he tries to get her off of him. And it was, it was interesting to me. Part of, part of the reason I even started reading the books was I saw that scene in the show and I was like, this is gross. Um, and I read an article about it and they talked about how they kind of softened the scene up. And I'm like, okay, well now I got to see what the <laughs> and now I have to see what's in the book um but that scene notwithstanding I did enjoy reading all of all of the books I like I like Andy's book yeah <laughs> no. no okay <laughs> I'm such a I'm such a simp <laughs> you are but that's why I love you and that's why we get along yes I'm just trash me too. And the whole time I was watching it, all I could think of was that meme where it's the anime fella and the butterfly and it's, is it, is this blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. all I could think is picturing that meme, Bridgerton as the butterfly and me thinking, is this hot garbage? Is this, is this what this is? Cause I couldn't stop. And I can't I stop thinking it, about though. it. I love it so much there in the past few years, there has been a real divergence in media away from romance. And I love romance. I don't understand why people don't like it, to be perfectly honest. What's bad about seeing, like, probably one of the things human beings crave the most is to find someone um, to spend your life with. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And I, I absolutely, I think I've watched this show like five or six times. <laughs> I've only it's watched... Well, and I've only watched it the once and I really have no desire or urge to rewatch it at least anytime soon. Mm -hmm. And as I until think season about, two comes out, well, and I was, th I'm like, okay, so season two, they've announced season two and some casting and everything. And now I'm just like, back to my like internal struggle of like, okay, am I going to watch this? Am I, am I really that invested in this show? And the fact that we're sitting here fucking podcasting about it. Yeah. I'm going to watch more hot garbage. I romance is not my top genre. Mm -hmm. It's not even a middle genre of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so you're who I'm talking about. Yes. Like, Why don't you guys like it? <laughs> and I don't, I don't know why I don't, maybe it's, too cozy, too fluffy or something. I don't, I don't know why I am not that drawn to it. I just, I like mm -hmm. the dark and fucked up always have. That's my bread and butter. You can have dark and fucked up romance. Like that. I mean, it's, it's not like a, if it's a romantic, it automatically has to be like light and fluffy and, and, but and happy gotta, all the time. There's gotta be that fucked up black mirror-y twist where <laughs> nothing is real or everyone's dead or <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah, so so here's Bridgerton takes place in an alternate universe where King George marries Queen Catherine, who is black. So that is there's an alternate universe for you. <laughs> and it was but, a great it was a great alternate universe. I think part of my draw too and why I couldn't stop when it started auto-playing that last time is I love the costuming. I love mm-hmm. costuming of Victorian Regency era, stuff like that, the details. And then they've got such bright, pretty colors and I'm a sucker for bright and shiny and how the different houses had their kind of colors or patterns. Um, the music that plays with the trailer yeah, is really vitamin, fast paced. Yeah. Vitamin just, string quartet did the I love job. vitamins and because I used to make the boys listen to them last spring when there was the first round of virtual school where there was really no structure <laughs> to it. So when just we thought have, that there might actually be an end in sight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so just to have something playing in the background, because they were set up in the kitchen, now they're in their own rooms. Um, just to have a little something soft in the background, vitamin string quartet. Loved yeah. it. A lot of instrumental, just soft instrumental pop reworkings I loved it so when I saw that they were uh had done a lot of the music for it for some of the scenes it's like yay I was so happy I was like I know that group (laughs) yeah it was it was really well done and I think one of the things that I mean I don't know what necessarily draws people who don't normally watch this stuff to it because I saw a preview for this and I was like yes this is my candy this is basically fan fiction or one of my romance novels that I like put on the screen, which is honestly all I ever really want. Like I have a whole bookshelf full of books and I'm like, just throw them at the TV and maybe they'll stick. (laughs) Cause as I love reading, but sometimes I just want to sit back and turn my brain off and, and, and watch it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, there just hasn't really been a lot of just straight up romance out there. It's kind of out of vogue. I, guess. I would agree. There's not, and even as someone who doesn't go out actively looking for it, it's still, it's not a lot of like the top 10 trending or yeah. what everyone's watching now type stuff. So, well, and it came at such a, I think part of, I think honestly, part of what made it so popular and what's make it continues to be popular is that we are all stuck at home. And if you're in the U S and you're not at home, you should be staying home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> watching Bridgerton watching Bridgerton (laughs) but it's like it's the same kind of thing where I haven't been watching a whole lot of new shows well this has been going on I've been mostly been re-watching stuff that I already like because comfort studies studies have shown that re-watching shows that you've already seen um is stress relief and it helps anxiety and stuff like that and and these are pretty anxious times um (laughs) But I think that's part of what made it so successful is it came out during the holidays where I think everyone was at their peak kind of ennui, yeah. dealing with not being able to go home and not being able to do all of the things that we normally do at Christmas time or during the holiday season. And it's just so delicious. It's such a, it really is. It's a feast for everything. The music is beautiful. Like you said, the costumes and the scenery are wonderful. I've always loved like Jane Austen books and, and adaptations and things like that. And this is that, but with sex. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was so much like <laughs> so much sex. <laughs> Netflix trying to be all like naughty Cinemax with all their dude butts and not well-placed humpings. I love that about 
softcore porn is like it's never aligned right and it just makes me laugh so fucking hard well like you see when he goes down on her on the stairs here's, yeah. here's where i know i'm old he's going down on her on marble stairs and i'm like why that's gonna hurt there's a bed yeah 15 feet away you guys you're gonna get a crick you're gonna yeah. get a crick in your neck you're gonna I, have back pain and then i'm like i am old yeah <laughs> Dude, same. I saw that and I was like, oh, that fuck my back all up. Like I, I couldn't even enjoy it for its sexiness. I was just like, man, <laughs> or the first scene when he's fucking her against a tree. And I'm like, aren't you afraid of splinters? Yes. Um, or but just no, like it that is rough hot, bark though. against like your skin. Like that's, but you have to remember though, she is wearing like a corset and like 15 layers, layers yeah. and everything. And I think that might be part of what I really like about Regency era things is when you do have sex it's so sexy because there are so many layers of clothes and like dressing and undressing is kind of a ritual yeah and like trying to tear through all of that does kind of build that sexy suspense and everything mm -hmm. so it does i mean they didn't wear underwear though which is kind of mm. <laughs> kind of what gross I and stinky live? but freeing yes um, exactly <laughs> yeah because like the only other kind of regency victorian type era movie that I absolutely love is Marie Antoinette with mm -hmm. Kirsten Dunst uh, by Sofia Coppola partly because I love Kirsten Dunst and Jason Schwartzman is in it and he's just adorable and I will I have the biggest crush on him but so you really like the, the highly costuming. stylized kind the of yes the the bright colors the fan like I said the bright colors the fancy costumes I had read that I think what over four or 700 pieces had to be like handmade for Bridgerton, mm -hmm. which is just amazing and very impressive. And just kind of, for me anyway, appreciates the scenes in the show that much more knowing that oh. much time and handcrafting went into it. The costumes are absolutely gorgeous. You might actually like a show called The Great on Hulu. It's another like highly stylized um, uh, oh, historical fiction yes. about Catherine the Great. Um, I thought I have thought about it because who is the who's like the main male lead that I think he's on the cover? I can't remember his name, but he does such an amazing job. But I because I think he's in other. We weren't stuff here to I've talk seen. about that. <laughs> we weren't here to talk about that, so I didn't look Sorry. that up. Um, but no, I can't, I can't remember his name, but it's, it's the same kind of thing where they have these big, elaborate, beautiful costumes and it is very modern and like, it's what modern audiences enjoy consuming and, but it takes place in the period, obviously of Catherine the Great or as she becomes Catherine the Great in Russia. So yeah, I, but yeah, I'm personally absolutely a slut for, <laughs> for historical <laughs> drama. So I'm curious about what you thought about Penelope being revealed. Both, what do you think of Penelope in general? And then the big reveal that she's Lady Whistledown at the end, because you don't find out who Lady Whistledown is in the books until book four. I loved Penelope. Oh my God, my fucking heart. And yeah. just, she was so sweet. And so when it was revealed that she, because for a second there, I really was buying that the uh, seamstress, whatever her name was. The modiste? They, yes. 
I really started thinking like, oh, that totally makes sense. Like that it would be her. She's always there for all those conversations. And cause like nothing really shocked me was like a big major twist or anything for me with this show, except for that, except for the twist of Lady Whistledown being Penelope. And I loved it. I loved it. Cause I loved Penelope. I love the actress, uh, Nicola Coughlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a dairy girl. So I was like, of course she is. Of course she is with all her writings. You know, she wrote, I don't know if you watched Dairy Girl, but I haven't watched it yet, but I really want to. Oh, you should. <laughs> it's a good watch. It's a nice, it's a good comfort kind of funny. There's yeah. some touching moments. Anyways. So I loved Penelope's storyline. I think she's definitely was one of my favorites. Cause like I said, I didn't care for Daphne and Did you notice though about Geneve Delacroix and maybe you didn't because you only watched it the one time. So she's not a character in any of the books. Uh, Genevieve Delacroix, the modiste, not a character in any books, Um, but she's faking her French accent. Yes. So I'm like, Ooh, that's a little thread. I'm excited to pull later. (laughs) But I loved, I love Penelope. I think I wish they had waited to reveal that she was whistled down. If I'm being not, not necessarily for season four and I can understand them sure. not being sure that it's, if it's coming back. So they want to kind of solve that mystery. But when you couple finding out that she's lady whistled down within a couple of episodes of, of whistle down revealing that Marina's pregnant mm-hmm. because she was trying to marry Colin and, and, and Penelope obviously being in love with Colin, it made it seem really petty. And really, and really, um, I can't even think of the word, but just bad, like a really kind of shitty thing to do. It didn't seem like it was coming out of a concern for Colin's well-being. It seemed very much to just try, like she did ruin her whole family Mm -hmm. (laughs) over it, um, herself included pernicious. There we go. That's the word I was trying to, trying to think of. I wish that they had either held off on, on Whistledown's identity being revealed to be Penelope or play down how into Colin Penelope is because otherwise it's it I love Penn I think she is adorable I think her mom is awful for dressing her in clothes that are clearly unsuitable for her skin type and hair <laughs> and that's a big thing in the books too <laughs> because there was the one part like after they get money and everything and new dresses and she's like oh great mine's yellow <laughs> yellow that's like oh i look sallow <laughs> poor poor thing yeah i agree that was like a super shitty thing to do and in the moment when that happens because we don't know penelope is whistle down you just figure you know what i even thought that was a bit much for whistle down and for mm-hmm. a second i was like wow whistle down is like really everywhere like how would she know that like again seamstress mo- the modiste yeah so I did think it was a bit out of, not necessarily out of place, but a bit odd. But it was again, harsh even, it was harsh even for Whistledown. Generally, yeah. Whistledown would be talking about people's clothes or flirtations or or kind of like side-eyeing things, but never actually like going out and purposely destroying mm-hmm. lives. Yeah, so that was a bit weird. And that is a bit disappointing, but at the same time, kind of, because I love Penn, I'm willing to kind of find bend over backwards (laughs) to excuse the behavior. (laughs) I will go full contortionist and pull something to be like, it's fine. (laughs) 
She did nothing wrong. She was in love. <laughs> she, she's in love with Colin. He is also a child and she's also 16. So you kind of have to put it into the perspective of she's a teenager. Mm-hmm. They're not known for making the best decisions. Correct. Um, unlike 30 year old Anthony who makes all the best decisions. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love him. He's so, he's such a cock block. Yes. Like, and I love him how he's, so he's, okay. He's overbearing. Mm-hmm. He's a giant ass at mm-hmm. some point. I mean, a little bit misogynistic. Mm-hmm. He's also very insecure in taking over his father's role. Like his dad died, I think when he was 18. Okay. And he's like 30 now. And this is the first time he's trying to take over. So he didn't get to learn as much about, about how to run his family and stuff like that. So I've, I love him so much. I don't care. I know people are like, he's such a dick. I don't care. I love him. I will marry him. (laughs) (laughs) Again, very back and forth because there was, you know, at that early in the season, the mom you know, Mama Bridgerton kind of calls him out. I believe it was her that, you know, he's got obligations and he's got to mm-hmm. run the family and all of this and that, and basically can't let Daphne just pick who she wants. So then he comes in all storming, all, you know, feathers fluffed up well, and everything. Like, even will he not let her pick what she, who she wants? He won't let anyone talk to her because he yes. knows them all. He's yes. like, I know you have gambling debts. I'm like, just you need to shut the fuck full up. Full big brother, full older brother <laughs> on everything. So in that way, it was really kind of cute and endearing, very protective. But I then when it. he gets like called out by mom or whatever, and then he just goes in like, you're marrying this guy for all these reasons and I approve. And then like not letting go of it for the longest time. But he then eventually comes around and he does have a line somewhere where um, tells Daphne like, or someone that he's not, ma- he's not speaking for her and not making her decisions anymore. Yeah. And I was like, well, good on you. You learned your lesson. Now go be nice to your theater lady. Yeah. He went like full, he did a full 180 from, cause yeah, his mom was like, Hey, your dad would have figured something out by now with Daphne. And I think this is one of the things that's really different again from the books is so in the show, Daphne is 21 years old and having her first season. That's very, very late historically. Okay. So your first season, usually you'd be 17, maybe 16, 17 years old and end up wearing, marrying like a 30 year old man because Blech. that's the way it was. Um, so in the books, this was like her third or fourth season. So the desperation and that urgency to get her married off because she's 21 years old is much more understandable in the books than if this is supposed to be her first season right and she generally and she has her pick of men but the way they finagled it into the books is that anthony is such an overbearing asshole that none of the men want to (laughs) want to deal with him to get to daphne and that's where that kind of desperation and urgency comes in gotcha because i i didn't pick up like i picked up on the urgency and everything but not that this was a late first season for her and they're just yeah. basically trying to make up for lost time because for a while I was like girl calm down and then it's like well how old is she is she like 17 18 like in the show yes and- she is 21 in the show and I think a lot of that is to not be gross about teenage but she looks and so sex the actress herself looks so young and then I think the mm-hmm. way the hair and makeup and everything is also made her look young so for a while I was like 
very uncomfortable. I was like, the fuck am I watching? <laughs> I yeah, like, I think, I think, uh, <laughs> I think she's like 24 and she's playing a 21 year old. And in the book, she's 21 too. But to be like, this is her first season. I think it was kind of odd to have it be her. Like they could have really easily been like, this isn't her first season. This is her third season. Sure. She needs to get married before she's on the shelf. Right. Um, without throwing my boy, Anthony under the bus for <laughs> being an overbearing cock block. <laughs> but I love to see, and that's the thing is like, other people are like, he's so misogynistic. And I'm like, oh, my husband. <laughs> my actual husband's nothing like <laughs> but I just I I don't know there I loved him immediately so much um and I love Eloise I loved Eloise I I loved I, her I loved that character so much good on her for wanting to do something different I'm curious because I have heard and read that they're gonna make at least one of the Bridgertons LGBTQ mm-hmm and I personally really hope it's Benedict. I was actually surprised that it wasn't. And so then for that last- We don't half, know that though. Well, exactly. That is true. But in the last half of the season, cause he meets that artist guy. And I was like, oh, so this, cause he has that moment with Eloise where Eloise is like, I don't want to do all these things. And he's like, you're not the only one, you know, kind of implying, I don't want to follow all these rules. So I took that as, okay, he's gay. And then he meets the artist guy. And I was like, ooh, and there's little like mm-hmm. hedonistic parties and everything. And then he walked in. Which on- was very um, accurate for a Regency era. They had tons of these like sex parties for the Which men. The I- women didn't get to take no, never. Well, I mean, the, there Not were the women, quote unquote <laughs> the respectable ladies. ladies. Yeah. <laughs> like we'd be there. No. <laughs> right? Oh, shit. But so I thought by um, him meeting the artist guy was going to help bring him out of the closet. And so when that hadn't happened by the end of the season, I was actually kind of mad. I was like, no, he's gay. He's obviously gay. Why, why even pair him with a woman? (laughs) See, I really want him to have his little bisexual awakening. I think that would be fantastic Um, because, well, and there's kind of, like his book a lot of people don't think his book is super interesting I liked his book but it's very much like a Cinderella kind of okay of situation and his and like I said I've only read half of the book so of the ones I've read though he's the one who's like falls in love with someone deeply deeply inappropriate for society okay so I'm like okay okay we can we can, we can make this okay. we can work with this if he has his little bisexual awakening and falls yeah. in love with a man I would be down with that um and I kind of feel like maybe they're not really they didn't really like lead up to that but I felt like they definitely let that left that door open yeah it really felt to me like I watched and I and I felt very much like he he could very well be LGBTQIA plus there we Mm -hmm. go um and you get that same kind of feeling from Eloise but I almost it almost feels like that's a bit more on the nose because Eloise is very much like I don't want to do what society tells me to do I don't need a man and all this stuff like she can absolutely be that way and still actually be straight you don't have to be exactly like you can be straight and still be ambitious yes I I completely agree completely 100% agree with everything you just said I think it would be a bit on the nose for Eloise I think um benedict to have like you said his bisexual awakening would be awesome and mm-hmm. uh, 
Yes, I'll have to watch season two to see if that happens. <laughs> You're gonna have to watch it. We're gonna watch just... Anthony's story, and and I'm so excited because one of the things I really do love, I actually really love the diversity um, yes. in this show. I love that it's very briefly kind of addressed. Like it gives a reason why, mm-hmm. but other than that, it's like it it doesn't matter, um, right? And I think that's fantastic. I think we need more television like that. I'm really excited to see the actress. I can't remember her name right now because again, silly me. Who does research? Um, <laughs> who is gonna play? Who is gonna play Kate in season two? Who's gonna be Anthony's love interest? Uh, and she is Southeast Asian. She's Indian, which is fantastic. Yes. I'm really excited about that. I know that there were people who were not happy about the fact that Simon is black. I roll. Because quote unquote historical accuracy and quote unquote book accuracy. I'm like, just say you're racist. Exactly. It's funny how they like to pick and choose <laughs> historical accuracies, right? Right. And it's right? Like, I'm sorry. Black people existed before 1963. They did. True story. Big shock. Sorry to ruin it for the rest of the world. But they're like, the queen wasn't black. I'm like, who gives a shit? Who cares? Who gives- like, I yeah. don't, I don't understand it. These people clearly did not watch the Brandy, Whitney Houston, Cinderella growing Obviously. up. Obviously. <laughs> because that was the most amazing thing I remember seeing when I was younger. Because I was like, a black woman and a white man have an Asian son. Done. Sure. Works for me. Yep. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and come on, Brandy and Whitney Houston, like that should just be enough for anyone. And if it's not, then go fuck yourself. And Victor Garber, I'm sorry. Victor Carver's amazing. Jason Alexander. The whole Mm -hmm. thing was fantastic. None of them were as sexy, though, as Simon. (laughs) As Simon. Or Anthony. Or Anthony. Because we get Anthony's butt first. We do get Anthony butt first. We get much more butt. Anthony of the two, of the two between Simon and Anthony, Anthony really gets the benefit of not having to ejaculate on screen as a plot point. Yeah. Yeah, because when we were playing, so we were playing, we were playing Bedwood Behead on my podcast, and it was between Anthony Simon and first Daphne, um, but that was the lost recording, and then we changed it to Colin because it was too easy for us to just kill Daphne. Mm-hmm. We were like, just because she's a rapist, and yes. it's a lot easier to do that. And then it was just discussing who we'd want to marry versus who we'd want to sleep with. Oh, and it was a big discussion point about because simon does not simon is um it's a disservice because he has to come on screen mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like i said they can't dedicate <laughs> an entire episode to him boning so he just like thrust us and also i'm surprised he hasn't had a couple of kids because the pullout method is not effective right there's Ask a whole Ross. joke around it <laughs> my first like ask my oldest right it's like what do you call people who use the pullout method parents yep (laughs) but of the two anthony really looked like he knew what he was doing quite a bit more like if someone can orgasm while you're humping them against a tree yeah i feel like some good motion you know what you're doing motion in the ocean yep i don't and he has daddy issues but not nearly to the depths of simon Right. And I am too old to deal with that. They're pretty standard daddy issues with Anthony. 
Mm-hmm. You know, nothing like you said, nothing like like Simon. Um, what did you think of Marina's character and her storyline? I have mixed feelings about that character. Um, I understand okay. the situation she was in. Mm-hmm. Totally get it. Not really down for tricking. <laughs> Mm-hmm. tricking someone into marrying you and then trying to pass their child or someone else's child off as theirs but I can understand the desperation I really thought it was an important scene when Penn tries to tell her anyone but Colin because Colin is a good man and Marina's like do you think I should try and find a bad man yeah that was a <laughs> like, an amazing point should I try and find a terrible person to spend my life with and who is probably going to know that this child is not theirs Mm -hmm. when they come out at six months at nine pounds, 14 ounces. (laughs) (laughs) A healthy preemie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I, I totally understood where she was coming from, but it's hard to have sympathy with someone who's being really devious and then intentionally incredibly hurtful to Penelope mm-hmm. um, when Pen- when she finds out that Penn is in love with Colin rather than be like I understand I'm so sorry but I have to do this for myself mm-hmm. and for my child she's like he doesn't love you he will never love you you're a little sister fuck off <laughs> yes I was like you I I was very back and forth with Marina sympathized mm-hmm. with her got upset with her didn't like her but still I think ultimately like always sympathized with her but yeah I didn't like that I didn't like when she was mean to Penn and obviously uh very protective of Penn (laughs) yeah and then like Mama Featherington just kind of continuously pushing that and then her deception on Marina so to try and trick Marina into letting go of her lover her her bow and so it's interesting to think of why they introduced that character because this is not a character in the books she's not in the books at all she's mentioned in the books Mm. but she is not a character like and she has a really sad ending so it'll be really kind of depressing if they decide to kind of go through with with that because in the in the book she's mentioned as the white as philip's wife and she's depressed and commits suicide oh leaving him and a child oh but so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out that's what that's what kind of makes me wonder about um because that's Eloise's Eloise winds up marrying Philip in the books Hmm. so I'm like is that what's gonna make her be if they were talking about doing LGBTQ are they going to keep Marina alive and have Eloise marry someone else? Because it was much easier for women, I think, to be LGBTQI plus in Regency era than necessarily for men, because you could always be the maiden aunt with your best friend companion who lives mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. <laughs> that was way more acceptable <laughs> than being a couple of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple of bachelors, man. A couple of bros broing out. You know how bros do. <laughs> but that's part of why I really wanted to be Benedict. Because we don't ever see that. Yeah. We see women in 
period pieces kind of in same-sex relationships but we don't ever really see men kind of trying to navigate society in that space and we got a little bit of it with Granville mm-hmm. like a, a little, bit. little bit so but I'm I would like I'm, to see more yeah so I'm kind of hoping that that is just like the appetizer to maybe mm-hmm. a bigger dish next season with or um, season three because next season's really going to be anthony's it's been interesting because obviously um they can't only focus on two characters like they do in the book because the book is like these two character story so they have been world building so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that changes yeah i think i don't think personally i don't think it should change too much and it should still be like you said the world building a bit more focus on on anthony and maybe Mm -hmm. one or two other people but still incorporating because at first I was like this this is a lot of these are a lot of people a lot of characters that are being introduced to that I need to kind of feel one way or another towards but (laughs) by the end of it I was like okay I did it I watched it (laughs) I need to talk to Meg Meg. (laughs) I need to talk to someone about this because I'm not sure how I feel you know who we haven't talked about though is Lady Danbury who is oh yes like the best i love her i love okay so i love this actress and i granted i've only seen her in doctor who as martha's mom and i fucking hated her because she's oh my god i didn't even connect the dots yeah it's martha's mom i loved her so much more in this role like she she just she's i loved her in this role as lady danbury and her costumes and just the way she carried herself, even with like the cane and everything, like the cane almost demanded more respect. And I loved her to pieces. She is 100% the character that I would most likely see myself being in the show is the shit stirring old yeah, who throws awesome parties for the other married women where we can gamble and drink and talk shit about our husbands (laughs) oh I loved that oh I I love her so much she is just amazing and I love how fierce she is about Simon and and I think part of the reason why I like Simon at all is we see so much of him through her eyes yes yes because she's such an old crone. Mm-hmm. I love her so much. And I love the way that her and Mama Bridgerton were kind of conspiring there for, you know, those couple episodes yes. of like them trying to get Simon and Daphne together. And then meanwhile, Simon and Daphne are the meddling mamas. Own. Yes. <laughs> but they were, I loved them together. They were <laughs> they're just meddling mamas. They were perfect. And I love Mama, and I love Mama Bridgerton as well. I think she, wholeheartedly wants the best for her children even playing even though they have to play by these rules like she said she got lucky and she loved her husband and that's what she wants for Daphne is to even though she has to go through all this highfalutin high society bullshit to find one she really hopes that she can either learn to love that person or luck Mm -hmm. out and find someone to love and well and that's kind of a whole big thing with the Bridgerton family is that they all want to marry for love like mm-hmm. that's kind of all of their goals except anthony right now is like love is the problem i'm just gonna find a wife <laughs> oh yeah because his- because because he, he is he is upset what? he put himself in that position with that opera singer mm-hmm. like what the hell was he thinking like yeah you just come with me to this party and be on my arm and it'll be totally great I'm like yeah no one is gonna say shit to you you are a viscount 
no one is going to say shit to her because they're all going to give her the cold shoulder and she's never going to be welcome in society. She will 100% be an outcast and you will be quote unquote outcast a little bit too until your Duke and Duchess um, sister and brother-in-law kind of help you out a little bit, but there's only so much scandal the Bridgertons can handle in one season. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like literal season in the show and then season of television. (laughs) Very true. I was but, taking a drink oh. and almost spit on my computer. <laughs> but I loved Sienna's is Abra Singer's vein. And I I loved her character so much. She's an original character to the show. And I very much loved how she was just like she wasn't willing to just kind of go along with what Anthony was trying to do. She was able to have a clear head when he clearly couldn't. Mm-hmm. And she's just, and she just, she didn't want to depend on anyone. And that's very admirable in any century. Well, it's really funny as being a mistress, because that was part of the thing is that they're protected. (laughs) But own place and well cared for, everything paid for, which is, it's nice to, I mean, yeah, it's nice to have financial security, but sometimes you want the snuggles and the hot sex. It's interesting and I'm wondering if we're going to see a little bit more because one of the things I I do like about this show so a lot of Regency or period especially pieces don't really kind of talk about what actual life was like in the Regency era and to have a mistress was not unheard of Mm -hmm. like men of society had whole families like they had their wife who they were married to and and love matches were not common so they had their wife they were married to to for their family arrangements and everything like that. And then they would have a mistress and a whole family with them too. Like and it's so that's so much work <laughs> right? for some reason. All I could think is like, and even though it's not period accurate, but all I can think is like, that's so many Christmas lights to hang up. I don't know why I went there. <laughs> that's amazing. Two Christmas trees. Really? Really? Two trees? Really? <laughs> gotta buy kids gotta buy gifts for 13 children because birth control's not great <laughs> oh, i'm on my third vodka so i'm on my third i'm on my third white claw it's a lawless world here yeah well it's yeah a, there's no laws there's no laws with white claws <laughs> you know it's like i remember you said that during our last recording of Gilmore Girls or one of them you're like no laws with and I didn't understand at first that that was like their slogan they had to stop using it (laughs) they they had to stop using it because people would be drinking and driving like no laws drinking claws yeah I who would have thought right (laughs) they had to put a disclaimer and then I think they just stopped like you still have to follow the law this is a slogan clearly those people don't know how to drink Wisconsinly Wisconsin, that's amazing. So, okay. All right. Who else? Well, we have not talked about the Featheringtons very much. Not really. Not really. Daddy Featherington is a hot mess. Yes. He gambled away all of their time. The only way these women are getting married is with a hefty dowry, and he Mm -hmm. gambled it away because they're not smart. No. Aside from Penn, we're talking about Prue and. Yeah, I don't even know the other two names. Prudence and. Shit. not penelope philippa prudence okay. and philippa featherington and their mom is portia so all peace oh god one of those <laughs> but they're not smart 
they're not charming Mm -mm. they're not beautiful literally the only thing they have going for them is to is their dowries and their dad gambles it away and i think it's i love the foil between the featheringtons and the bridgertons to see like even though um papa bridgerton isn't even there Mm-hmm. there's such a deep feeling of love and you can see it you can see that there was love throughout this whole household and between this these parents Absolutely. just in the way they raise their kids and they all have dinner together even the children which was unheard of at the time and I wish we could bring that back can we feed our kids and then send them to the nursery yes. and then eat ourselves <laughs> <laughs> not all the time just occasionally just absolutely I allow it just once in a while but then to see that kind of juxtaposed against this clearly a loveless marriage Mm -hmm. and a household where they don't like each other like Mm -hmm. none of them really like each other and it's really really sad now daddy Bridgerton or daddy Featherton's dead Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see who it's entailed to and I don't know if you noticed but none of the women were dressed in mourning after their dad died they were still no, they wearing bright colors none of them were in mourning no they weren't no you're absolutely right there was the one scene where Marina approaches Mama Featherington as she's looking into Papa oh yeah Papa Featherington's like study or whatever mm-hmm. after you know he's gone missing and all and- the money's gone and all the money's gone. And Marina even kind of asks her, like, basically, like, what's it like to be in a loveless marriage? And she kind of acknowledges, like, there was there was times where it was fine, you know? And you, you can- find, You find other things to love. Other things to love, yep. Like, dressing your family in horrible, <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible clothing. Look, I don't do bright colors. I don't do bright patterns. Some Some folks can wear it beautifully, amazingly these were not those folks. (laughs) Well, I just think it's so strange. So, and I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was in this show. It was a big thing in the books. I think they mentioned in the show that the reason that she keeps putting pen in like yellows and oranges is because it's like sunshine and sunshine makes people happy. So she's dressed like the sun. She's happy. And Pen's like, I just need green. She just needs to wear green and blues. Wear those cool colors with your complexion, baby girl. Absolutely. <laughs> but so- no, the blues and the pastels are saved for the Bridgertons. For the Bridgertons. Bridgertons. And so you have to say it fancy like Bridgertons. Bridgertons. <laughs> Bridge dinner. Oops, sorry, wrong episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gilmore girls. So it's that's interesting. I'm trying to think of the other thing. Um, super hot William, who is the boxer. Oh yeah. That's a storyline that I am really kind of interested to see if it goes any further for mm-hmm. that. Cause I think they're adorable. Um, I think it was hilarious that Simon is trying to lecture him about honor as he is like leaving his wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, Okay, but so, he's really hot. I'm gonna just throw that out there. So I loved them and I loved seeing their little family and you know their happiness and everything. And I hate that Papa Featherington kind of came to them and pulled them into his bullshit. Yeah. I I I I hate him for that because yes, they were you know poor and 
you know, struggling to make ends meet and everything. And, but they were happy. You got that sense that they were poor, but they were happy. They had each Mm -hmm. other. They had in the little bits that we saw of their home life, smiles, togetherness. Well, and they weren't even necessarily poor. They just weren't. Right, right. Like they weren't highfalutin. Highfalutin. They were part (laughs) of the ton. Yes. So I really, I really, really hated Papa Featherington for doing that and providing while trying to help, you know, quote, help them and give them financial security. Just all the way I saw it was that he just dragged them in to their bull into his bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, and that reminds me, I am wondering if the dudes who killed Featherington, the like basically loan shark dudes or whatever, or bookies, if they took the deed to the house. And that's what I, I, I'm assuming they did. I'm assuming they did. And then the, the title and everything is entailed to this random cousin. So I'm excited a, to see who the cousin is. Yeah. Who, because the daughters don't in, like, he's not, he's obviously not getting anything anyway. Um, but the dudes took all the money that he had. So the Featheringtons right now are as far as we can tell, completely destitute and possibly homeless. Mm-hmm. So I feel, I do feel really bad for them though. Cause like Portia, the mama, mama Featherington did some shady shit. Mm-hmm. She absolutely did. But it's interesting to kind of watch this because she did all of this stuff in service of her daughters and in service of trying, working within the society that they had to get her daughters placed in not necessarily a loving marriage she didn't care necessarily about a love match because most people didn't care about a love match but to get them protect protected and safe because if you didn't have a son you had to marry your your daughters had to marry well because Mm -hmm. otherwise they wouldn't be taken care of unless you had a good relationship with whatever person the estate would be entailed to because it could very easily be an asshole who turns the whole family out. Like we saw in Sense and Sensibility, which I'm sure you absolutely read (laughs) and watched. (laughs) Totally. Big surprise that it's actually a no? No. Um. (laughs) Yeah, that, I am a little, okay, yes. I am interested to see what happens to the Featheringtons because my assumption is that loan sharks took the money took the title to the house, killed Papa Featherington. Oh, they absolutely killed him. And they knew he cheated. Yep. They knew he as threw soon as, Yep. As soon I'm as he placed so, the bet. Yeah. And I'm really worried about William because he threw, he threw it. See, and that's what And I cost mean. a lot of people a lot of money. And that's what I mean is like Featherington pulled him into his shit. Mm-hmm. He, ugh, I just, I hope, I hope they're okay. <laughs> I hope, I hope everything's okay. I hope I love them so much. God well, damn this show! We didn't even start talking about Prince Frederick, who made a narrow escape by not marrying Daphne. Yeah, although he was amazing. He was. I was. Eh, he was too of, perfect. But yeah. he he should have ended up with the blonde frenemy one of Daphne. What was her name? Oh, Cressida Cowper. Yes. She sucked though. I know, but I'm just why, like, why would you want a nice person to be married to a viper? <laughs> just because I, I was honestly just bored with the prince. I was like, you're not, you're not going to stick around. You're not really 
You didn't burn for him. I don't, I didn't burn for him. I burned for you. So I was like, I'll burn you if you don't leave. Just go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> but well, I the just, thing is, is like you knew she wasn't going to end up with the prince. Yeah. So it kind of felt like, what's the point? Like, so the queen and the prince, they're not characters in the book series. So I'm like, okay, so are they going to bring them back? Like, or not the queen, the queen will. Queen Catherine will be back, obviously, because she'd be a pretty main character. Um, but are they going to bring him back? I don't really see. As of right now, I don't see how or why. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he comes back in the books in any capacity where they could. I'm not even in. sure he's in the books at all. Oh, so he was just a plot device to push Daphne and Simon together. So Daphne realizes that she burns for Simon. She burns. She burns. She burns for the man who would rather die than marry her because of a vow. He literally would rather asshole. die. Like, yeah, literally still on the dueling field. And she's like, hey, someone knows whether you die or not doesn't matter because somebody knows. Yes. And he's still like, I don't care. I'm gonna let your brother shoot me. Yes. And, and he's like, downright, no. he was downright cruel to Anthony when he was talking about like your dad must be looking down and seeing how terrible you are at managing your family I'm like leave my baby alone yeah let's let's not do that ever and bring in like dead family members as right. a way to be like they're judging you to prove your point go fuck yourself pick a pick a better point <laughs> like anthony was a dick to be like well yeah your dad never taught you how to run a household mm-hmm. well but it was true his dad sucked low blows low low, low blows fruit. but anthony's low blow was towards his dad which is arguably true mm-hmm. and simon's low blow was like your dad is dead your dad's dead and you must be so disappointing to him <laughs> like you know exactly like poking exactly at, at anthony's insecurities like uh, my baby my poor my yeah. poor baby <laughs> you just want to grab him cuddle him caress him in the in your bosom definitely <laughs> just cuddle okay. absolutely definitely, definitely just cuddle <laughs> definitely cuddle anthony after after seeing that button knowing that work he can put in up against a tree <laughs> just cuddling okay <laughs> i like the visual of you doing like the 1994 <laughs> like butt slap there's definitely times where i'm like this would be great as as what's the youtube video logistics of this is like so are you spanking someone this way or are you behind them on the side i don't know on the side it's like are you slapping someone's hip because that doesn't seem fun that's kind of where it seems it seems to be slapping their hip or their ass is facing to the side i don't know but i just realized what's in it for the spanker (laughs) getting spanked duh (laughs) no the spanker and not the spanky to do the spanking sometimes that's nice I just and realized just like I, humping, I can't make just, I just realized I can't make hip. that motion without biting my lower lip like mm, mm. Okay, and I'll thrusting stop. and thrusting I'm in my chair just that's I'm what I'm s- wondering like if you're thrusting are you just like humping the crease between their hip and their stomach while you're spanking <laughs> their ass the logistics of that motion makes no sense <laughs> I don't know I'll perform like a brief experiment on the husband later and i'll text you i feel like this part should definitely be a video that you post to your <laughs> twitter because it's not gonna make any sense no sense I'll... just audio <laughs> just going like this just <laughs> <laughs> that white man over my uh, uh. 
<laughs> anyway, Bridgerton. Bridgerton. We need to have like a safe word for all of our podcast episodes. Last time it was Brace Bridge. Now it's Bridge. It's got to be a B word. So we got to mm-hmm. figure it out for the next Gilmore Girls in four years. <laughs> when we record it. We have not, though, talked about the queen because she's yes. an OG character. She's not in the books at all. There okay. is no queenly influence or anything no like que- that. No kingly influence or anything? No, no kingly, one- no queenly okay. influence. So I adore her. I love Golda. I cannot say her last name. <laughs> Roosevelt, I want to say. I'll say. Rochevel. I don't sure. know. Sure. I just call her Golda because she and I are BFFs. Rush. I would I would guess Rochevel as well. Rochevel. Either way, I love her. <laughs> yes. I'm bad at names. <laughs> when I when we did our episode, I had to like YouTube Reggae Jean Page's name. And listen to, to make it a sure whole I bunch said, of times. Yeah. Yeah, I've done and that. And Philippi Denever. I've done that before and I have still fucked up people's names. So <laughs> But I loved her as the queen. I loved the queen. And I loved how she got sucked into Lady Whistledown's judgment mm-hmm. and her TMZ publications of spilling tea all over town, all over the town. Well, I thought it was so cool how all the characters were like tugged between and how funny, like how much, and, and, and it showed how powerful Whistledown was that people were torn between the queen's opinion, the fucking queen's opinion and Whistledown's. Yes. And it I really thought, ha- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just said it really, I thought it was just really cool. I was going to shut up and let you talk on your own show <laughs> just for a second. I just thought that the whole, the whole concept of Whistledown in her letters and, you know, I think again, part of the reason that part of what sucked me into this show was Julie Andrews narrating yes lulling me in and she pulled me in that bitch um <laughs> the way she says whistle down i'm yes. like oh. she's she's amazing so speaking of queens i love <laughs> that whistle down and her little paper like ruled the town like if that is not a commentary on media and media perception and how it can go from some lonely little thing to everyone's weekly obsession of like, or daily, however often it was printed of where is it? Thrice? Yeah. Holy shit. Three times a week. Damn, Pen was busy. Yeah, right? Here's what kills her. So her nickname is Pen and she's Lady Lady Whistle. Oh, Oh, I missed it. So obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Another video (laughs) clip for... (laughs) This is so structured. <laughs> Trying. Oh, I'm just fucking. <laughs> this, is, yeah, this is about well, par for me. So like, I will fucking talk about this show forever. I just, I wish I had written, written down more notes for myself. Like I have notes from our podcast when I was trying to make points about why I would bedwed and behead certain characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's only like, like Simon's super hot. Anthony is a hot mess. I love him. I want to snuggle him. <laughs> Colin is a teeny tiny baby. He is closer to my daughter's age than mine. And that like, you haven't heard it yet, but I think by the I end of it, it I'm like, I feel so gross because I like working through this in the middle of the podcast, realizing that he's 22 in the show. My daughter is 12 and I'm 36. He is 
equidistant from my age <laughs> to my eight-year-old. And I'm like, okay, no. this is gross. I have no choice. I'm going to spoil you right now. I have to behead this man because, ew. Ew, yes. <laughs> He's 22. He barely qualifies as a man. Only yeah. legally. Yeah. <laughs> 22 is not a man. 22 is, yeah. Like Anthony and Simon are also both much younger than I am. They're both like not even 30 yet, but I can work with that. (laughs) I struggle with my, my crush on, um, Tom Holland because he's just a sweet baby angel, but I will. He's a literal infant. I can't, but I will watch his lip sync, lip sync battle a million times and think nothing but dirty, horrible thoughts. And then I'm like, um a gross old lady no it's super sexy in a propes it's super sexy oh he's so sorry he's very good in it (laughs) like speaking of sexy who is your wait who's your favorite bridgerton brother i don't bet you can't guess mine i don't um (laughs) is at no it's gotta be uh benedict (laughs) i love benedict (laughs) I think I love Benedict. I think I like Benedict. I mean, Anthony's great, but I also feel like that's kind of obvious. And that's also your pick as well. And not that that's that, not, not that we can't have the same one. No, Benedict's was- my favorite of the three of them. No shit. No, I'm in love with Anthony and I want to marry him. But Benedict, I, there's so much to him. Okay. He's nice. so soft. He's so yes. soft. And yes. he's so sweet and so gentle. And I love him so, so much. Mm-hmm. And he's not a child. Yes which is helpful, but Anthony, I do want to marry. <laughs> so I guess I have two faves. But I think for me, yeah, it's Benedict is my favorite. And I think maybe because I'm most curious to see where the show takes his storyline. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not going to read the books. Let's be honest. I'm not going to read them. I'm not going to listen to them. I'm going to right. rely on you to fill in those holes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) fill in the holes. (laughs) (laughs) She did the spanking motion and made the noise, and I couldn't contain myself. (laughs) (laughs) Just think of how much weirder this would have been in person. After oh a year of not seeing each other, oh my god! Oh, it's been so long. It makes me sad. I, I know, me too. But yeah, and we haven't really gotten to know any of the Benedict sisters other than Daphne and Eloise. We haven't met. We we briefly met Francesca for like a hot second. Hyacinth is a child. Daphne sucks. I don't know why this always makes me think. Finger up the butt. As that's <laughs> the motion you make when you're sticking your finger up someone's butt. It's big swoopy. It's a big swoopy. And then, uh, um, so this episode just needs to be uploaded to YouTube. And <laughs> there's a lot of visual things happening right now. Um, so I yeah. feel like anyone who hears swoopy finger up the butt knows exactly the motion I'm making. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to put that theory to test later. I'm going to text my friends and be like, when you hear swoopy finger up the butt, what is the motion you're imagining? Although they're already kind of, <laughs> I texted them this morning in our group text about the fishing in the dark. Yeah. 
it's just like it's too early to talk about masturbation and then I could think of what? like, well, what there's no a- such thing as too like, early to talk about masturbation. You can talk about masturbation. You can masturbate at any time of the day when it's a, you know, in an appropriate Except, spot. No, we're in the middle of a panorama and everyone <laughs> is home all the time. It's much harder to find a quiet moment. That is true. It's- <laughs> to take care of business. So sometimes for us parents, <laughs> those wee morning hours is the best I can go fish in the dark. All I'm saying is I'm excited to go fishing sometimes with a handheld shower head. And even that doesn't guarantee privacy because my kids will burst into the bathroom while I'm taking a shower. <sighs> like, lost- mom, mom, where's the Cheerios? So have your kids lost all sense of like boundaries oh, during yeah. all of this? Like before You're, they were- That implies that they had some. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say before the kids were getting, we're getting pretty good about not just bursting into the bathroom mm-hmm. to tell me some inane story. They yeah. were respecting the, the closed door. Well, my daughter, my oldest daughter is 12. Well, except for the oldest son, but yes. So she is very much into her own privacy that hasn't translated so much to other people's <laughs> privacy, but she's walking on me naked enough times now that she's like this is she like she so she burst into my room after I take a shower and she's like oh my god mom blah and I was like what the closed door to our bedroom and then the closed door to my bathroom is not enough to tell you maybe you should knock no and then you get to be mad at me for being naked in my own bathroom oh my god sometimes I miss being a teenager everything is everyone else's fault No, I was going to come in here, mom, and put on clothes, mom. I don't care that the door was closed, mom. Yeah. She's like, I'm sorry. I came into your closet to steal your clothes. (laughs) Yeah. Which are super lame. Like, I love how she teases me about how I dress, like, how my clothes are lame. And then she literally wears my actual Mm -hmm. physical clothes. Because when she wears them, they're cool. And even the clothes that are hers that she picks out for herself. They are exactly the clothes that I would wear. Like, congratulations, you're dressing like a middle-aged suburban mom. Good job. <laughs> In your face. <laughs> uh, but my eight-year-old has no sense of boundaries. Yeah. Like any sense, anything she may have had, gone. Again, they have very clear boundaries for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're just not yeah. applying it to, to exactly. us. They apply it to other kids. They apply it to other adults just not us like mm-hmm. we had there's no safe space for marty and i we can't just shut the door even a lock i've locked my bedroom door and then i hear them get a coat hanger oh my god because it's a push lock i'm like well at least yep. i have warning i can throw yep. <laughs> that brings us back to bridgerton bridgerton <laughs> Where the servants just hover outside the door while yes. they're boating everywhere. Could you imagine? Okay, just imagine being That's a servant in like That's a great household like that at that time. Like that poor footman who they're like, tell tell the duchess, blah, blah, blah. He's like, do you really want me to tell her? She's right there. (laughs) Oh God, no shit. I thought that was kind of ballsy for the footman to be like, to push back and Are you you sure? (laughs) That was very much through like a modern lens of being like, are you really? You're going to play this game? 
Like y'all have been humping all over the place and now suddenly <laughs> you don't want to speak to each other. Mm. We've been cleaning up your spunk Ew. all over the house. Cause seriously, it would be all over just everywhere. Unless he like, maybe he carries tissue. No, they didn't have tissues. He'd have to have no. a handkerchief with him. Just like, a... no. I'm so, so it's just glad like I don't have... it open. Every time. <laughs> I'm so glad I don't have boys. You are going to have to deal with like the three 30 minute showers a day that each of them are going to take. Be like mm-hmm. sons, <laughs> unless you're going to get a job and start paying for half the water bill. Mm-hmm. Be like, you got water bill money? Pick one special sock. Wash your own laundry. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want it to think about it, actually. (laughs) Bridgerton. Bridgerton. All right. Anyone else? We can talk about Bridgerton. Well, we didn't actually talk that much about the queen. We started for a second and then we diverged into into masturbation. Okay. So with the queen, I felt at first she's the queen whatever yada yada and then there's like that quick scene where someone comes in and they're just like your majesty the king and she's like is he still alive and they're like yes and then she kind of shoes them away so i'm like oh that's so very cold thinking like oh did you end up marrying for power or whatever but Mm -hmm. then we get that backstory and then we see that and this is where like my heart broke for her the king is suffering from dementia clearly and so she's you know the the servants come in and they tell her that he's lucid and they have like kind of a nice moment and everything and this is obviously a time period where they don't know what dementia is or how to and even now we struggle i think well now we still call him mad king george yeah i mean he was the king during the revolution that is that he's got his nickname and it is stuck so i really felt for her because you could see that longing in her eyes of that's not the man that I married. That's not the man I fell in love with and who fell in love with me. And my heart broke for her because dementia is a motherfucker. And if you have to live to watch a a loved one go through that, it is one of the worst fucking things. I feel like it's maybe worse than watching someone go through cancer treatments and dying of cancer in the sense that the person that you're talking to isn't always going to remember you. They may have violent, violent outbursts, mm-hmm. but then there's these small rare moments of them being lucid. of lucidity. And, and like my great grandma, she forgot. She basically at one had a point in her life where she raised my dad and, and his older brother and she had dementia. We went to visit her. She kept forgetting who my dad was and who we were and family mm-hmm. names and she just kind of all these in and out moments she was in a nursing home we go out into the common area where there's the piano and she sits down and plays like this five minute sonata fucking flawlessly mm-hmm. not a skip not a miss key like everything was perfect well and and there's- it was just it was it was baffling and it's it's just it's hard it's hard to watch and i think it's yeah. harder than well, and there's there's a there's a ballerina who has Alzheimer's, and they oh, I saw that video where she watches a video of herself dancing, yes. and she like no she goes along, um yeah. So my grandfather had Alzheimer's, and he had Alzheimer's for a good twelve to fifteen years before he passed away. So like watching this person disappear before your very eyes and still be physically healthy is really really heartbreaking and hard to watch. 
Um, I've also watched people die from cancer mm-hmm. and keep all of their lucidity, but their body is failing them. And I think both of them suck equally. <laughs> they do. I but in very, agree. very different ways because it's like, you can't have a conversation with one. So I think that's kind of the hard thing about Alzheimer's. Like you can't really necessarily have a conversation um, with someone who is in the throes of dementia. Like my, by the end, my grandfather had very few lucid moments. Like, you know what I mean? He, he would tell me the same story over and over and over again. And I would be fine with that. And I would love that. But he kept thinking I was somebody else, which is tough. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it's interesting that they, they really showed King George in a very sympathetic light to and Queen Charlotte, which is interesting when you think about how when we normally for American media portray King George III, the Mad King, um, it's not very nice. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, we like revolted. Mad, mad King. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was interesting to see such a sympathetic kind of view of him. Mm-hmm. And he was only in two episodes and he was in two very brief scenes with it. Yeah. It, it's, it's not a lot, but it's just enough to kind of help fill in those pieces with the queen. Yeah. Like and, I said, and, I thought she was just cold again towards the king, not truly realizing, I guess, kind of what was going on until those couple of scenes. And you mm-hmm. just saw that that heartbreak. That it's sad. tough because it, well, because it's implied that they she very much did love him. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Which and, we talk about love matches being rare just in general society, but in a royal marriage would be almost unheard of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I don't know. Is there anything else we didn't cover aside from Simon being hot? Did, we, also, did we talk enough about that? I don't did, think you can Carla... talk enough about that because he is basically walking sex. What did Carla call him in your, because I only listened to like maybe the first 15, 20 minutes of your uh, Bridgerton podcast. What did she call him? Like the Duke of forearms amy amy calls him the duke of forearms because that's what her husband calls him because like she'd be watching the show and her husband would always come in at the same point when she's watching she's watching it so her husband calls him the duke of forearms (laughs) which is not untrue there's like he rolls the sleeves up and it's and it's very nice and like i said he's very attractive i'm not mad about about uh Mm-mm. about him burning <sighs> i burn for you there was and that line is so fucking cheesy but so hot it worked at the same time but it worked it yeah. did but at the, yeah. yeah but again daphne hate her hated her i didn't um, hate her i had mixed feelings about her until she, until she raped her husband basically mm-hmm. um then i was like okay nope <laughs> yeah i that's that's what i just decided like no i don't like her i guess i was well the thing yeah, is that she had a, she was righteously angry about him lying to her about not being able to have children because he said i can't have children can't mm-hmm. have children and won't, won't have children are two very very different things and she went into it with the understanding she went into it with accepting the fact that he could not have children not that it was a choice he was making because he made a vow to a dead man who wouldn't know one way or another what he was doing mm-hmm. or his reasonings why. Mm-hmm. 
So up until that point, I was kind of on her side when she got pissed off about it because she was righteously angry. But then you rape your husband and then you have the nerve to blame him. And he started, this is one of the things where he stutters there for a second. Yep. And I, that's where I wish that we would see more of that vulnerability to have more context about where he was emotionally after that happened, because we didn't get to see that he's actually traumatized Yeah. by I what agree. she does to him. And I think it's really, I think that's one kind of failing in this show is they really gloss over that whole thing. Yeah. They really could have done a much better job at painting that picture of his emotional mental state and everything but well yeah they painted as he's pissed off like he's pissed off at her because she didn't let him pull out or anything like that and they don't really ever get into the nuance of that of he withdrew consent she continued <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's great and and mm-hmm. when his little stuttering with her trying to say her name is supposed to signify to us that this was kind of traumatic this was traumatic yeah. for him and we didn't get to see as much of that emotional connection to his stutter throughout the show to necessarily make that connection if you hadn't really been paying close attention i kind of made that connection but it didn't it wasn't as like long lasting or Mm -hmm. maybe as important or impactful impactful thank you um as it could have been or even should have been but because it was just it was so quick that it happened. I had that kind of quick thought, like, oh, he's really upset because it brought back, brought out the stutter. But it just, again, it was the one time. So you don't really, you don't really spend a lot of time with it thinking about where he was at and everything and just kind of right. move on. And, you know, I suppose if I had rewatched it four, five, six, 18 times, <laughs> I would have, I would, well, absolutely agree. But I think even as a one time view, you get it but it's, it's not, it's not a lot. It's just a, it's a taste. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is it glossed over. I, the first time I watched, it, I kind of glossed over it a bit and like, I watched it and I was like, I know we're going to be doing this for my podcast. I know this is something that we're going to be talking about for my podcast. Um, and we generally don't do stuff. And so, and also I just enjoyed the show. So I watched it again and like each subsequent rewatch has been harder to watch. Oh, really? For me, as far as that part, just that scene. Okay. Just that bit, especially sure, after sure. having read the book, it makes it much more difficult because, because having that, that insight, which just of, as a victim of the medium that you're consuming it, you know what I mean? You mm-hmm. don't really get into their heads in the, te- in the television show quite so much as you do on the page. Right. Um, so just having kind of all of that extra information about who Simon is and his reasoning for the stutter and the trauma that he endured as a child is much more starkly painted in the books than it is necessarily in the show. So it makes it, it makes it more difficult. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I'll be happy if in season two, we don't really see Daphne at all. Oh, that'd be great. I'd love that. <laughs> and I think, and it made me so mad that they just glossed it over. Like Daph- Daphne got to be the hurt party and all of this. And while I understand her upset, I do understand she had a right to be angry about him lying to her. But it really focuses on her anger at him lying to her about being able to have children and at the expense of his trauma for her betraying his trust in a much more traumatic 
painful way. Yes. And we like media in general does not explore male victims of rape nearly to the degree it explores women <laughs> like rape culture is a big thing but we we generally see it towards women and this is one of those situations where it's not like a violent person coming and pulling you down pulling you into a dark alley and 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 raping you and people always talk about well how can men possibly be raped like they can't be raped right. you know they have to they have yeah. to want it yep. like well this is a great situation where it happened and it, yes. and it was really kind of brushed over. And that might be the one thing that kind of bothered isn't right, the right word. I wish they had addressed it. I understand this is supposed to be a really kind of fluffy, delicious, sexy show, but. <laughs> but I feel like if you're going to make even fluffy, delicious, sexy shows in like now mm-hmm. that there needs to be a little bit more, there needs to be that conversation or that visual of the person kind of their what their experience what their feelings are afterwards it can't I don't know maybe that's me expecting a bit more or but just a little a little added something again it doesn't have to be a whole encompassing like episode or the first 20 minutes or anything like that but I don't know a little something well and the thing is 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 that whole part was could have been avoided entirely he could have just been so into it he just didn't pull out in time sure absolutely you know what i mean just been reframed and she could still have been angry at him i think they wanted them both to be angry at each other and we you could have figured out something else that he could have been upset with her about you didn't have to necessarily do that you can have conflict without assault (laughs) right exactly absolutely in it and and for them to just and the thing is is the message of that is they wind up happily ever after and i that's kind of an icky message for me <laughs> like because she is automatically being painted as being in the right mm-hmm. for it not in my eyes not in my painting <laughs> painted as the devil not in mine either and actually I, and, and i'm just talking about within, like the show sure, storyline yeah. the people i've talked yeah. to about the show all have been like what the fuck was that yeah yeah <laughs> um no, which absolutely. is good that people are very like they're they're seeing yeah. it and they're seeing the problem and the, the issues and everything with it. Where did my glasses get to? <laughs> I I need to take a small break and then we'll we'll try and wrap it up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Never. Five minutes. You know who we have actually not talked nearly enough about is Eloise. We really haven't. And I don't really have much more to say other than I, I guess I am looking forward to see how her story develops over at least the next season and however many more, because God damn it. I do love this show. Fuck off. This is amazing. Okay. So (laughs) this is what, this is what I love so much. You and I both watch a crazy amount of television. Both of us do. But on the opposite ends of this. We have very few overlapping TV shows. And I am not going to (laughs) lie. I did not for one second think again when I was watching Bridgerton. I I didn't even bother you about it. Normally, if I watch a show and I'm just like, I love this show. I'm going to hound some. Normally, I'm like, oh, my God, Jen, you should watch this show. Heart of Dixie for how many fucking years? Did you watch it? (laughs) No, you have to. You <laughs> love the Gilmore Girls. You have to watch Heart of Dixie because Heart of Dixie is Gilmore Girls in the South. That's all it is. 
I still have to watch This Is Us, but I know that that's a cry fest show and I'm not I'm so, quite ready to I'm put I'm so far behind on This Is that. Us. So I made Carla watch Heart of Dixie and the Gilmore Girls, both for our podcast. This is what I'm like, ooh, this is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to make her watch these shows that she would never watch because she would never, ever watch any of these shows. I've been bugging her for years to watch both of them. And now we have a podcast. I'm like, well, we should do these for the podcast. They're like, Gilmore Girls is a popular show. <laughs> um, and she hates- I love the little innocent face that you just made, like your hand under your chin, very Alexis mm-hmm. Rose, like- very much she will never forgive me (laughs) she does not have near the level of love for these characters that I do and I think that's so much because of how old we were when the first time we watched it because I was a I was Mm -hmm. Rory's age the first time I watched the the show so it's much different and it's I feel differently watching it now than I did then totally but totally anyway so yeah, this is not a show that I watched and I was like, ooh, maybe I can get Jen to watch this. Not for one second because it's so out of your wheelhouse. And then you told me that you were watching and you're kind of obsessing with it. And I was like, oh my God, I got so excited because I'm such, this is like my jam. <laughs> I would have watched well, it think- so many more times if I didn't have children in the house with me at all times. Oh yeah. Cause yeah, right. Like, I'm not ashamed of sex, but I also don't want to watch it. Like, you think watching Bone, like people have sex on TV is awkward with your parent? Oh, yeah. Now I'm at the no. age where it's awkward with me. No, I don't watch with sex your kids. with my kids because they're babies. Yeah. <laughs> I get where you're going with mm-hmm. it. I veered yeah, off it's... course for a minute. <laughs> but it is kind of like what we a little bit of like what we talked about at the beginning of recording the the comfort the just kind of knowing what to expect and that there's not going to be like a it's not a stress like super stressful plot line or anything it's kind of like my friends and I we did holiday completely out of our wheelhouse and we, we did a holiday episode too <laughs> and we did ours was like kind of a live watch and it but then trying to figure out like, why do people, why are there, why do people gravitate towards these types of movies? And it, and I asked my friends that love like their lifetime movies yep. and their rom- rom-coms and everything. And it just really, all it comes down to is comfort. It's not stressful. You know how everything is going to play out. So there's no big twists that you can't handle. And in this last year, you know, like you said, Rewatching comfort shows because we know how it's going to play out. We know these characters yeah. and just that kind of happy feeling. And absolutely, I've rewatched Shit's Creek. I don't know how many fucking times in this last year. Yeah, well, and that's one that's of the most. I, that's one of the comfort. most feel good shows. Like for instance, I would not start watching Breaking Bad right now. Oh no! Like I've seen, I've that seen one- the first season of Breaking Bad. I know it's an amazing show. I absolutely know it is. Everyone tells me it is. It's one of those shows where I'm like, always like, I absolutely should watch that show, but I absolutely am not <laughs> like in a headspace where I want to watch that. I actually am not watching very much um, current television because they're all incorporating COVID mm-hmm. within their shows. And I understand that you want to keep filming and, and keep the story like and be safe. And I commend them for wanting to keep um, everybody's safe on that show. However, I'm dealing with COVID in my actual life. I don't want to deal with it 
in your escape on my escape my escapism so yeah i'm gonna watch the mm-hmm. office over and over again yeah. i'll watch shit's creek shit's creek i've actually been watching Anne with an e which Aww. is an adorable show and i love it so much it's so sweet um but i just like it and, and you're right it's it's a it's a comfort kind of thing no stress That's why yeah. I've rewatched Gilmore Girls and I'm watching Gilmore Girls with my 12 year old right now. So that's been an interesting dynamic thing. So we're watching Gilmore Girls, Supernatural, and she and her dad are watching Doctor Who together. And I'm kind of floating in and out of Doctor Who. I finally made it through Capaldi. I went through a uh, Doctor Who rewatch as well. Mm -hmm. Comfort. Because those first seven seasons I'm super familiar with yeah and just kind of knowing like oh yeah this episode and how it yeah um last week I was watching Schitt's Creek (laughs) and I was at the last two episodes of the series every Wednesday Timmy goes out with um someone in our bubble and hangs they just go drive around Mm -hmm. and just get out of the house for a bit and he came home and I'm sitting on the couch. I got my blankie and everything. And I'm sitting there and I'm all sniffly. And he's like, how's it going? And I'm like, David and Patrick are getting married. <laughs> and he's just like, oh my God. And he goes into the kitchen, pours a bowl of cereal, comes back out, sits down on the couch. I'm still all like scrunched up with my blankie, just like dumb, happy tears sniffling and I see him kind of looking at me out of the corner of his eye and I just turned to him and I was like shut up and pass me the tissues <laughs> I love that so I happy I happy cried my way through the last two episodes I haven't gone back and rewatched the documentary because I know that that is nothing but just a fucking yeah. snot fest yeah. of well and happiness it was something that was so- very that's been actually really difficult for, for me in like not shit's Creek kind of way. But one of my biggest comfort shows was Supernatural. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? However many years ago when I was one of many people trying to get you to watch it. And you're like, it's too scary. And I'm like, quit being such a pansy. I know. And now Look I you. No, I I have a hard time watching it now. Really? Because of the finale. Oh. Like there are very few shows I can think of two shows where the finale of the show basically ruined the entire series how i met your mother aha and supernatural i have been i've been re-watching it with my kid and with a friend who has just started watching it for the first time and she knows to not watch the series finale (laughs) like so it's been easier for me to kind of watch through their eyes but i can't put it on as a comfort show for myself because everything in the show feels negated by what they did in the finale. So like for you, Jen, I would say, don't watch the series. Watch up to 19. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm gonna, yeah. and then when I do, I'm going to text you, but Bridgerton. Bridgerton. let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. Bridgerton. Clearly we have not talked to each other in a really long time. <laughs> That's quite all right though. I've, but to be fair, we had we we have had a couple of quick video meetings mm-hmm. meetings like yes so we're official. so pro you're so yeah <laughs> and Wait, i have a whole other white claw to drink so clearly but even in those brief 
the purpose of those were just to kind of coordinate schedules and everything. But especially this last one, this last week, how many times did we say, save it for the pod? pod. (laughs) (laughs) So we intentionally bottled it up, shoved it down. Yeah. (laughs) But okay. So, but I just, okay. Okay. I'm curious because this is so far out of your wheelhouse. And I know you talked for a second. What is your overall impression of Bridgerton? Like, what is your overall thoughts? Because like I said, like you said, this is not something that you would ever gravitate towards in any way, shape or form. I cannot believe you and I have spent this much time talking about it because like I said, this is not something where I watched and I was like, Ooh, I want to talk. I, I'm going to talk to Jen about this because it's so completely not your shit that it didn't mm-hmm. even occur to me to even try to make you watch it. <laughs> I I never planned on watching it. I never planned on recording about it. And yet here we are. So as much as I maybe am trying to resist it, clearly I love this fucking show. And maybe I just need to like open up to that and admit it that regardless, even though it's not my top genre, it's not in my wheelhouse, I do have a small, small soft spot for period pieces, <laughs> Regency or otherwise. Um. <laughs> I, just think it's so, I think it's so funny because I'm trying to think of like, wh- I've been so beaten down by life that I think I was just looking for something kind of light and fluffy. I knew about that there were more adult scenes, but I didn't read anything into it before mm-hmm. I started watching it because even if I'm unsure that I might watch a show, if I think that unless I have decided for sure I'm not going to watch it. Mm-hmm. I stay away from spoilers for that just in case. So I stayed away from spoilers. So somewhere deep down inside some sort of comfort seeking part of me was like, don't read spoilers. You're probably going to end up watching it. You love Marie Antoinette. This seems in, like you said, stylized, very much stylized uh, Regency era you love that shit for whatever fucking reason costuming bright colors nostalgia nostalgia um but i did i think this was like a hate watch almost like i loved it but there was parts did you start it as a hate watch because you've not really said anything about it that's hateful except the one part of it that should be hated (laughs) okay so that so that comment is clearly me still trying to lie to myself. So I don't know why I love I'm it. I'm here to bring, clearly I to do. bring it out. You're, you're my, you're my TV therapist right now. I need to understand why that was the whole point of today. And I just think that, I mean, we're, we've recorded for so long on it and clearly there was something there that I was drawn to that I loved, love to hate, hate to love, whatever it might be. So well, my overall thoughts on it is that it was a good watch. It was a fun watch. It does invoke emotions and reactions because of the characters and everything. And that's always a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. In any show. Um, you wanted to sit and talk with someone about it, which for me, that's to. the definition, but that's to. the definition of a quote unquote good show. It doesn't have to be like a super high quality. I think this is a very high quality show. I think the production value is 
Yes. Absolutely way up there. I think Shonda Rhimes tells a fantastic story. She always tells very delicious, indulgent, sexy shows. Grey's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Murder. Um, What the fuck? Scandal. Scandal. There we go. And Bridgerton Um, are all- Private private practice are all very sexy. This is my first Shondaland show. What? Yeah, I was waiting for that reaction. She like leaned out a frame to grab a to grab a white claw and then pulled like just recoiled back up real quick. Back (laughs) faster than (laughs) any middle aged woman should move. (laughs) I I fear for her back. Um. (laughs) I'll tell you, my kid nearly broke my hip last night. (laughs) But. This is my first Shondaland show. I never got into Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. I, as I've gotten older, I become more picky about my procedurals. Like I never finished Bones because kind of, and even SVU, you know, you and I. Once got, they killed back Sweets and, and Bones. That was pretty I much I checked it. out. Yeah. Um, when, when they killed Sweets and Bones and then when Stabler. Spoilers. <laughs> left SVU and I was pregnant when I was pregnant with Ross I had to stop watching SVU because I couldn't handle yep. the baby murders and yep oh no <laughs> I, I absolutely could. I stopped watching Game of Thrones partially Ooh. I stopped watching it I feel like I did myself as a, a good deed by quitting it before it ended from everything I've heard um but I remember like a year after Sam was my youngest daughter was born um we were watching and it was something with the white walkers and Sam and the character's name was Sam and had this baby and they're like and I remember with Marty I was like if they kill this baby Marty and I are both like if they kill this baby we're done we're not gonna watch this show anymore I hate it so much (laughs) like I can't watch really violent stuff anymore I have a really really hard time with it since I had kids I'm definitely more emotional Mm -hmm. when it comes to different scenarios i'm just like stuff, that's so. someone's baby you know like they're 47 yeah. <laughs> years old they have a kid they have a mom <laughs> <laughs> which has made criminal minds a very interesting rewatch ah that's one of my yeah, comfort I, show rewatches is criminal minds and i never got into criminal like even when it came to procedurals i was only as sv or a law and order gal you should watch um, criminal minds Bones. i think you would enjoy it but it's again, it's hard to get into procedurals for me because once but you, but it's not you know, super procedural. I well, it's and be that as it may, it's it's just hard to kind of yeah, whatever. That's fine. You don't want yeah. to talk to me. It's cool. But, you hate me. Yeah, it's we'll find other things to <laughs> talk and not talk about. So this is my first Shondaland show, and I I guess I do have to admit that I kind of fucking loved it because here we are. And I have since I'm about halfway through her book, uh, the year of yes, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. So I don't know if you've read it or listened to it. I am team audiobook, and it's read by author and I am on like chapter, like I'm about halfway. So it's a good audio book. It's a great audio book because I love audio books, but the narrator can make or break a book. It's her narrating it. It's her, it's read that by does not necessarily mean it's good. <laughs> it is the way she reads it and the and the emotion and the affliction yeah. she puts on different parts and everything. And it's because it's really just about her year of saying yes. Mm-hmm. She was it, 
called out for always saying no to things. So that's why so Bridgerton if- happened. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. I don't know. But it's so it's not necessarily an autobiography from the beginning of her life, per mm-hmm. se. It's picking up that she's already got these successful shows, but here she was being called out and that journey that she makes for that year. And as someone, so it's, she's already established herself, right? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how relatable she still is, even when she's talking about her, her nanny or the help that she gets, acknowledging that she needs help because she tried to do it without help. And those feelings that we know as parents and feeling like we're failing. Being a working those- parent in general is tough to, I couldn't imagine being... Oh, in such demand yes as shauna rhymes must be and her chapter six was her saying yes because kind of the whole concept is saying yes to events and things that mm-hmm. she no- normally wouldn't have said yes to chapter six is about saying yes to her family to her kids and she was all dressed up and i'm just like in the shower and i'm like i'm not gonna cry i'm gonna be cool i'm gonna be cool and luckily there was water running from the shower. So as far as anyone is concerned, I was super cool. But she talks about, she's getting ready for this event and she's in this beautiful ball gown that she doesn't want wrinkled and gorgeous shoes that hurt her feet. And she's all done up. And then her young com- youngest comes in with sticky, sticky jam hands. And is all like, want to play? And kind of in that moment, she's more or less decides, I'm always going to make time for my kids. I will always, when they come up, you want to play. And she repeats that phrase, want to play throughout that whole chapter. And it just tugs at your heartstrings, but she gives in Mm -hmm. and she's like, you know, with my kids and their ages, it's no more than really 15 minutes. So it's not like I'm doing really any disservice to anything or anyone and putting her family first. And part of that being her year of yes. Oh, well, and it's, it's, it's really interesting to kind of, and this is definitely not on topic for British or anything, but you think about your kids and you think about that saying yes and everything and and everyone, and my personal thought of parenting is parenting is full of long days and short years. Mm -hmm. And you never know when that last time you, when that, when that time you pick your kid up, that that's going to be the last time you're going to do it. You never know that you never know that when they come and snuggle with you, that's the last time. And mm-hmm. like I said, I have a tween and middle school is a special kind of hell for kids. And I feel like those ages are really, really hard for parents too. Mm-hmm. Um, and my 12 year old like came up to me two nights ago and was like cuddling up to me and snuggling with me. And I was like, oh my God, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. And, and she- she's my baby. And, but she's yeah. almost, as, she's almost as tall as me now. She's five, five. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. So she's growing up and I'm thinking about like all these things that I want us to do. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to do all, all of this stuff. And I'm like, wow, I have six summers with her left. And to put it in that perspective is just, is kind of heartbreaking yeah. in a way because I have all this stuff that I want to do and I've been putting it off. Is but when COVID feels like it feels like a lost year in some ways, and it feels like a benefit in other ways because we've spent so much time together as a family because that's just what we have. Um, but also, it's a year that we couldn't do like the big camping trip that we want to do next year. We're planning on taking this big um, three week trip out west 
to Idaho. Oh, fun. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so there's that. And I want to take them back to Disney World when they're older and, and can enjoy it on a different level than yep. when they were three and six yep. <laughs> or three and seven. <laughs> Less stuff for you to cart around. Right. And then she's old enough. I can leave them home and go to Epcot and drink. Her own yeah. Well, even in, um, even in this chapter of her book, cause when she writes this, she has a tween and in, in, in littles. And she talks about, you know, it's easy for the littles to come up and be like, want to play. That's obvious, clear indication that they want to spend time with mommy. She's like with the tween, she's like, I have to read her actions. Yep to know that that's what she's saying so she's like when when the tween comes in and just kind of plops on a chair and gives a big sigh or something that's that's her way of indicating i want to play whatever play entails at that point but the concept of i want to spend time with you and she's like even the tween doesn't want to spend more than 15 minutes with me she's like the littles it's really no more than like 15 minutes and it was 15 a- minutes with littles feels like a very very long time it's like it's like my eight-year-old is like five minutes just like talking about what i want to talk about mm-hmm. and she's happy yeah so it's it's like it only halfway through it's a great book it's a great audio book mm-hmm. i have realized that i am a bit picky on the narrators i prefer read by author because i feel like only they can really put the emotion and the affliction into the words and emphasis where it needs to be not to say that other narrators can't but obviously the writer knows um and it's like i said it's considering the part point of her life where she's writing this it's still so super relatable and yeah. i love it and i may not be a shondaland fan in terms of all the sh- shows of hers that i watch but i am a shonda rhymes fan well, and I think it's interesting too, when you look at kind of like where she is in her life, when she has children and tweens and young children, and then you look at the shows that she created before having kids, um, and then versus Bridgerton, which is the show that she's created since the, like we talked, we joked a lot about Bridgerton being like super sexy, which it is. Mm-hmm. It's a very sexy show, but the, the theme of family is so deeply ingrained in the entire series and julia quinn put that in her book series also but shonda rhymes really infused so much of it like between family duty and loyalty and just love for each other and you see that in the bridgerton family how much they love each other and she brought it to life and not just love each other enjoy each other yes like the moment, like the scenes where they really are just all sitting around in their big day room or whatever. And just slouched Daphne, around. Yeah, and, and Daphne's playing the piano and Eloise is Eloising about things. And... Eating candy. <laughs> <laughs> and her brothers steal it. <laughs> oh my God. At, like I'm an older, I only have a younger brother, but I felt like that was such a beautiful family moment where his, she is one of the middle children and uh benedict comes up and i'm assuming he's kind of around her same age range and she's like no it's my candy but then anthony comes in he's like six older than her yeah and anthony's just like i don't like fucking takes it like he's he's the reigning brother and he takes it she can't argue and then (laughs) and then benedict that's his moment to take a piece too (laughs) 
She's like if that's so not candy. classic family <laughs> moment for anyone with multiple siblings get the fuck out of here because yeah. that was that was hilarious yeah. and adorable. I, I only have one sibling and it it was totally relatable to me but that's the thing is like I love how much this family and I think that's what what makes it so enjoyable to watch too and so relatable in a lot of ways like it's beyond just being a romance like there is the romance mm-hmm. of Simon and Daphne thrown in there and everything like that um but if it was just Simon and Daphne I don't think I would enjoy it nearly as much I think it would as, get boring real fast as I did and I think that's kind of why they they did a lot of world building and opened it up to the story to a lot of other characters where in the book it's really focused on Simon and Daphne. And could you imagine following like the Featheringtons instead of the Bridgertons? <laughs> Do you think we'd be here right now? A baby with me being like, what the fuck was that shit? <laughs> but I love the Featheringtons in a very different way. Yeah. Um, I love them in kind of like watching a train wreck as it happens kind of way. I am excited to watch Penelope kind of grow and flourish Mm -hmm. beyond her family. I think it's really interesting that the show decided to make Nigel um, Burbrook a villain because he's not a villain in the books. He's just a bumbling idiot in the books who winds up marrying one of the Featherington sisters. Oh. So he's not a he's not a giant asshole in the book. I'm sorry, I do have to pee again real quick. I'm sorry. So do I. Okay. Moms. Yay, tiny bladders Yay. and day drinking. <laughs> All right. Bridgerton. Bridgerton. The wrap up. All right, let's let's wrap this up. So So yeah, clearly I love this show or I at least like it enough to be here today. I feel like um, you love it. It's okay I to admit it. There's no I shame do. in it. There's no shame. So it doesn't as, have to be a guilty pleasure. It doesn't. And you know what? Dave Grohl has told us, don't feel guilty about your guilty pleasures. Like what you like and be proud of it. So I fully subscribe to that. I think the Amen. term guilty pleasure is bullshit. I think I enjoy what you enjoy. Life is too short to feel bad about as long as you're not hurting anybody. Yeah. Enjoy Bridgerton. Enjoy what you enjoy. So how would you rank this first season out of 10 stars? Oof. You know what? I'm I'm gonna go fairly high. I'm gonna go with like seven or eight. I okay. think they've done a really good job of making you care about all of the characters, giving you at least a little bit into them. I also, yeah, I, I'm gonna say a seven. Because generally first seasons of shows are not that great, <laughs> but they do a really, really good job. I think it's, I think it's, it makes a promise and it fulfills that promise and it's really enjoyable. I love the kind of newer model of shorter seasons, but much higher production value within those seasons. I would rather have 10 really, really good or nine in this episode, really, really good episodes versus 23 episodes and nine of them being all right. And then the rest being filler. Yep. Fluffer episodes, as I like to call them. They're, they're fluffers, like, like in, like in the porn industry, they're just enough to keep you there and interested and keep you. (laughs) Right. Right. Like there's, there's 10 episodes that push the plot along and then 13 episodes that are just there to be there. 
Yep. I agree. But I, I like this. It's a tight nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for season two. I, I wanted a season two, like immediately after season one ended. So with season two, we know that it's going to focus on Anthony, right? <laughs> like we know that <laughs> we know that much. Mm-hmm. What in having read the books, I guess, what are, what are your predictions or what would you like to see in season two? So I'm, I'm going to veer off the books a little bit because they're, the books are different enough from the show that you can kind of like the basic plot line of Anthony's story is going to be there. So we're going to learn more about his dad. We're going to learn more about, hopefully we're going to learn more about what's going on in his brain and kind of what makes him tick and what makes him act the way that he kind of acts in regards to his younger siblings and that pressure that he's feeling. So I'm excited to learn about that um, because I just love the character. Uh, Anthony is very much a Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice character for me, which is probably why I love him so much. Um, As far as the show goes, I really want to explore more of the other Bridgerton siblings. I want to explore more about Benedict and see kind of where he's going because season three is going to be all about Benedict. So I want to see some of some of those seeds. And yeah, it's going to be there's going to be a season three. Let's be real. (laughs) Um, I want to meet. I want to learn more about Francesca. Yes. She's just come back. I want to see that. I kind of know where she is in the books. I want to see how they kind of navigate that within the show. And I really want to see what's going to happen with the Featheringtons and their entailed, impoverished life. (laughs) And how Penn is going to continue her stuff, her writings as Whistledown, if she's on the outskirts and kind of ousted from society. I I'd like to see more definitely of like the other Bridgerton siblings and yeah, Penn like you. Yeah. I don't know enough. And, and Lady Danbury. I just want her and everything. We, I want her all over. She needs to be around. <laughs> we need to keep her forever. We really do. I um, love her so much. Uh, let's see. IMDB has an average rating of 7.3. I think that's pretty fair. I would me personally, I think as of right now, I'd have to give it a 7.5 after only one watch. Someone that like kind of wasn't planning on watching it. I still have to give it about a 7.5. And say, when we're done recording, you're going to start watching it again. I kind of, you know, I kind of think I might. Yeah. Because when you talk about it, you're like, Ooh, mm-hmm. but I, so I'm glad that for what ever crazy reason I watched it I did because that gave us an an excuse to talk about it and be here today for three hours hours. (laughs) this isn't even the longest recording my god um but it was it was entertaining and it was for the most part a fun watch I don't think that there are any major twists to stress people out, you know, the rom-com crowd. And it's extremely it's sexy. It's extremely sexy. It's very like, even much when like, it's not sex, it's very sexy. It is. 
even when yeah even when like Daphne was fishing in the dark with herself (laughs) I'm still stuck on that too by the way but what she imagined and even you know in picturing Simon and even there was the moment I think with the prince coming up behind her and kind of like caressing her neck or Mm -hmm. something and she thought pictured it was Simon and turned around and it wasn't like those very seductive moments were very very hot even maybe hotter than the actual misplaced dry humping when they're in when they're in the art gallery and you're watching their hands get closer to each other I'm like I can't believe I'm so turned on by two people trying to touch pinkies right? and I think that's part of it I think that's part of what's so sexy and and gets you so drawn into the series is because it's an unheard of kind of societal repression Mm -hmm. and you feel that repression with every beat of the show and then to see those little breaks from it like you tense yourself up being like okay well they they have to wear gloves and they're not they're touching their hands without gloves and 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 kind of that and and you really kind of get sucked into that mentality and that repression of the time and it heightens everything totally you know so if you have to wear gloves it makes not wearing gloves when you're touching each other that much more dangerous like and and it's it's very salacious and it's very sexy um it it's just it's so fun to watch i just i love it so much (laughs) i am such hot garbage i love and here's what i love about it so i have always loved jane austen and she writes a lot of about regency era um this is like end of georgian era into the regency once prince george dies in the next six months from Bridgerton, it becomes Regency. So yep. we're just going to call it Regency. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to simplify but, things. To simplify things. But so I've always loved kind of Jane Austen adaptations. I love Jane Austen's books. Jane Austen was unmarried. So there's a lot of stuff that she never wrote about. All of her books kind of ended with the marriage because she didn't know anything. Sure beyond that and the Bronte sisters kind of famously called her out about that and they wrote Wuthering Heights which is the most aggravating book in the world to me but either way so I've often watched Jane Austen adaptations like god this is amazing I wish there was more sex (laughs) (laughs) not even in a pervy way but in a when you have a society that is so repressed there has to be an outlet there has to be Mm -hmm. somewhere to let that steam off. Otherwise everything will just explode. Yeah. And I think what I love about this so much is you get all of that repression. You feel all of that mm-hmm. pressure, mm-hmm. but you also get the outlets through when they get married through Anthony and Sienna. Is it Sienna or Sierra? Sienna, I think, but yeah. Um, through their their relationship through the Granville parties and everything and that kind of hedonistic thing you get to release that pressure just enough to kind of keep you wanting to see more mm-hmm. and that's it you're just a horn dog and that's why you like it Jen yeah I'm just a I'm just a dirty perv <laughs> um 
I really, really need Colin to age up though, because maybe a bit of a time jump. So in the books, he's 33 when you really start to get into his story. So when he's 22 now, and I'm like, he's a child. Yes. And he was (laughs) such a sweet baby angel that Colin just is. Although I think he's got some barbs. I think his whole thing thing with Marina and being like, if you had just told me yeah. It's really easy to say that after the fact. Yes. Yes. When there's no stakes. When it's very clear that you're not going to get roped into this. You, it's really easy to be like, here's an extra dig. I feel like that's that was true with, with Colin. I feel I like because know. he was, because he's like the nice, sweet one, as as Penelope has said. I I, I think he's right. I, I, I don't him. think his family would have allowed it. I don't think his family would have allowed it, but whether or not he would have been accepting of it, I think he absolutely would have. But yeah. Anyways, we'll see what happens with the Bridgertons, the Featheringtons. Bridgerton. Bridgertons, Lady Danville, the Queen, and Lady Whistledown, <laughs> which I've only only recently stopped stopped calling her lady whistle stop so (laughs) (laughs) that's me but um oh god this has been very therapeutic for me like i said you were my therapist for this i needed it help me understand it help help me come to that acceptance that god damn it i love this and get you really excited to watch it and get me excited yes to not not just for season two, but like, all right, fine. Maybe I will watch it one more time as like a comfort rewatch. Cause now it is in the comfort rewatch category. It's very sexy. It's very entertaining. Very entertaining. It's very, it's like you get, it's like a giant needle full of dopamine. It is. Into your, it's like directly into your brain. when you watch it? Cause it's visually so pleasing the voices are so beautiful. Julie Andrews is a soothing presence yes. in your life. And then there's very, very hot sex. Very, very hot sex. And Anthony Bridgerton is there. What else do you <laughs> what else do you guys need? Come what on. What else do you want? Is Anthony all I want to do is talk about Anthony Bridgerton. <laughs> Can we just have an episode where I talk about how much I love that character? I think this is it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to talk nearly enough about how much I love him. Season two. Season two is all going to be Anthony. As we wrap this up, um, anything you would like to plug, Miss Boob? Yes, I would absolutely love to plug my podcast called Bed Wetter Behead. It's me and it's a lot like this and where me and my best friend drink, pick a TV show or a movie, sometimes a book, find three characters in it and decide and play fuck, Mary kill with them um with that comes a lot of character analysis and kind of discussing all of that but in general we just play fuck mary kill with really attractive people whether or not they're good characters <laughs> um and you can find us on all the podcast things at bedwed behead and you can find us on twitter at bedwed behead pod a very fun podcast i've listened to a few episodes the ones where i'm familiar with the show so i listened to like uh firefly um god i know i listen i spent like one day always like we always end up beheading characters i love the most and it breaks my heart so much (laughs) 
it's but that's the point right it's supposed to be difficult to make it's hard so yeah we don't pick like two characters we love and then a character we absolutely hate we we have a thing where it has to be like an equal level of love versus hate the only exception i think being when we did some supernatural episodes and that did not turn out how i wanted (laughs) i don't think i've listened to any of the supernatural ones only because i want to finish the series Mm -hmm. and knowing that i only have two seasons to really watch totally doable but um but yeah it's a fun listen and i recommend it they're generally much shorter than mine yeah (laughs) we 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 generally are a bite-sized podcast we try and keep we try to keep things under 30 minutes um we almost always keep them under an hour (laughs) if we have a guest it goes longer because there's three people and that changes everything Mm -hmm. um Unlike this, where it's never this long meal. <laughs> so we did one where we ended up vomit. recording like two and a half hours, uh, but I cut it down. God, I can't admit that's hats there's off. A lot, to you, there's but... a lot of repetition and bullshit. There's a lot of drinking that by the end of it, we are just hammered and we're like, no. Ah. The end of our first Criminal Minds episode, we're both totally smashed. <laughs> Okay, well, maybe I'll have to listen to that one, even though I'm not familiar with the show or the characters, but just to hear the progression of drunk is always fun. There's a lot of talk of pasta. I like pasta. Me too. That was a driving factor in my decision. (laughs) I'm thinking about pasta, like, ooh, some mac and cheese. Um, mm, But I guess that'll do it for us today on My Streaming Bubble. Thank you, Meg, for being here today, virtually. Thank you for having me welcome i've missed you so much let's not make let's not have this much time pass between well next week we're gonna yeah i suppose okay after next week (laughs) (laughs) and then like the week after you're coming on our show (laughs) oh god that's right it's so funny when we've tried to coordinate like wait what are we talking about for whose shows and when and it's a lot of fun it's what happens when friends have podcasts it's what happens when there's a panda express and everyone starts a podcast (laughs) so but thanks for listening everyone um stay safe keep streaming bye bye bye